This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Words of Integration and Guidance by Mark Nepo. The truth is that long before disciplines of knowledge were formed, long before degree programs were certified, the quandaries of living were addressed and carried forward in pouches of wisdom we call stories. This is how a tribe and its elders would pack their questions and pass on their meaning as to say, we have done all we can with this, now it is your turn. We often need to tell our stories over and over, not because we are forgetful or compulsive, but because their meaning is too great to be digested in any one telling. So we recount them again and again till we can absorb their meaning and learn to love each other on the way. I have always been compelled by stories. Like most people, I started out as a witness, retelling the episodes of life that would unfold around me. But as life will do over time, what seems so far away and irrelevant is slowly brought very near and up close we discover it is essential. In this way, I have come to realize that we are in stories more than outside them. We are more like fish in the stream than fishermen sitting in the grass. More like clay formed in the fire than potters poking at the emblems, emblems, embers. We are singers waiting to be birthed by a song. A reading of scripture from Psalm 105 is rendered by Nan Merrill. Oh, give thanks to the beloved and open your hearts to love. Awaken, listen in silence for the voice of the Consular. Sing praises with glad voice and give witness to the truth with your lives. Glory in the radiance of the beloved. Let the hearts of those who call upon you rejoice. Seek the one who is life your strength. Walk harmoniously in love's presence. Remember that you are not alone, for through love, doubt and fear are erased. O people of the earth, ever bear in mind the unity of diversity in the divine plan. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
the Holy Gospels according to Matthew chapter 13, a few select verses, 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it mixed all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid, then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate out the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? He asked. They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Well, we've heard a few stories from Jesus this morning, and we're going to talk a bit about the power of story. And so I'm going to begin with a story here. And so I invite you to kind of just quiet your mind and just kind of be present, maybe still yourself, maybe even close your eyes and just... Allow yourself to go into the story as it's being told. On the day of the race, the story is entitled The Cyclist. On the day of the race, he waited with the others and felt that life was waiting in the hills. He couldn't quite say why, but a blessing was about to happen. As the gun went off, he could hear the rush of all the racers breathing, like young horses in the morning. He had trained for months, up and down the sloping hills, cutting off seconds by wearing less and leaning into the curves. His legs were shanks of muscle. He often said, it's the closest thing to flying I know. On the second hill, the line thinned, and he was near the front. They were slipping through the land like arcs of light, riding through the veins of the world. By now, he was in the lead. As he swept toward the wetlands, he was gaining time, when a great blue heron took off right in front of him. Its massive, timeless wings opening just in front of his handlebars. Its shadow covered him and seemed to open something he'd been chasing. The others were pumping closer, but he just stopped 
and stood there, straddling his bike, staring at what the great blue had opened by cutting through the sky. In years to come, others would ask, what cost you the race? In years to come, others would ask, what cost you the race? Wherever he was, he'd always look south. And once in a while, he'd say, I didn't lose the race. I left it. It's the end of our story. You can open your eyes if they're shut. Martin Buber, the great Jewish writer and thinker, said that a story must be told in such a way that it constitutes help in itself. A story must be told in such a way that it constitutes help in itself. And he relates the following anecdote. He says, my grandfather was lame. And once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher. And so he began to tell about his teacher who would hop and dance as he prayed. And he rose with the telling of the story, and soon he was swayed and caught up in it, and he began to dance and hop to show how the master had done it. And in that hour, he was cured of his lameness. Martin Buber says that's how to tell a story. Mark Nepo, who we've already heard from, said stories help us. They are teachers. They are medicine. They keep us connected to what matters. They keep us awake. This has always been true, he says. In other words... People have been telling stories for a long time, and some of the great stories find their way to us, even from long ago. And that is no different than what we have here with Jesus, who was himself a master storyteller. We had several stories in our text today. Jesus was often so concise, right? Many of these stories are a single line. And he was precise, Right? He had something he was trying to get across. And his economy of words, every word, mattered. And he was so insightful. Because stories help us see in a new way. So I'm wondering, as I told that opening story, was there something that was evoked in you, or something that you saw, or something that was pulled out of you? Sometimes what that's starting to me is sometimes I feel like I'm running the wrong race. 
Ah. Then, I mean, like my dad used to say, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. <laughs> you know, because you're chasing this. Yeah. And really, maybe you should be there. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Leah. Yeah, there's something about, you know, the way he brings that out, that he's training for months, right? And here the moment is, right? What he's been working toward. And he's in the lead, right? And this thing happens. And he's just, like, amazed, jaw-dropping. Wow, look at this incredible thing, this beautiful bird. And that's enough. That's enough. Stories can help us see in a new way. And so, for example, Jesus doesn't just say, God loves you, so cheer up. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man, when he found it, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had, right? Not under compulsion, or this wasn't a sad thing. This was bringing out joy. It was this thing that so filled him with delight and satisfaction and longing that he had to have it, even if it meant getting rid of everything else. Can you hear what Jesus is saying? Can you even imagine, can I imagine what it's like to find something so beautiful, and captivating. Do I imagine such a thing even exists? It's almost like the kingdom of heaven is like a child who was at the pound and was told they could have one kitten, but had to have two in her joy at seeing those little whiskers and those little beautiful paws. We got two kittens yesterday, and I have to say... I have to say, it's been pretty fun, Uh, and Josephine, our eight-year-old, is in love with them already, Oliver and Francis, and uh, just the joy of this little ball of fur, what that can bring. It just gives me a little hint of, of perhaps what Jesus is getting at here. And so often for us, life is a blur, and as Leah said, maybe am I sometimes chasing the wrong thing? Am I pursuing the wrong thing? And we spend a lot of energy on a lot of things and things that are important in a certain way. Very important. We care about about the work that we do, the relationships that we have, the places in which we live. We think about what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next year. We get preoccupied with a certain project we're working on. We're kind of honed in on that, and this thing has to work. And if it doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe there's a job interview down the line, and we've got a lot of hope invested in that. But amidst all of that blurredness, blurriness, blurredness, busyness of life, Jesus says, hold up, pause. Pause. At the heart of reality, is love. God is for you. Have you thought about it that way? God is for you. Sometimes we imagine, well, God might put up with us or 
tolerate us, or if we were raised in a certain tradition, we mostly think God is ashamed of us, or we haven't done enough to please God. But the delight Jesus expresses in these stories about the kingdom of God remind us that God is for us. It may not seem like it all the time. The world is difficult. We face challenges. We suffer. But open your eyes, says Jesus. Consider the lilies of the field, how they neither sow nor reap. And yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of these flowers. And so he knows, your heavenly Father, all that you need. Don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Seek his kingdom and the joy that you find there. And this is no sort of fluff word, right, to some privileged folks, right? We have to remember who Jesus is speaking to, that these are words of life to an oppressed people who are under the thumb of the powerful, of the haves, the rulers of the day. And Jesus says, God is for you. How can I help you see it? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man upon finding it sold all that he had and in his joy went and got that single thing. Or maybe that doesn't quite connect. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a merchant in search of fine pearls who upon finding one of great value saw everything in his life pale to comparison to that and went and got that pearl. The story must be told in such a way that it constitutes help in itself. And you can imagine as Jesus is telling these stories that his audience feels a joy and a hope rising within them. And this is subversive stuff to imagine that God is for you. The empire would have you believe that God is for the wealthy, the powerful, the elite. Many of these folks live in a world that says you don't matter. Your family doesn't matter. Your friends don't matter. But Jesus is stirring up hope in these men and women and children whose lives have been difficult, who've been told they don't matter. And he's been saying that God is for you in such a way that they imagine they might matter too. And you can imagine how on hearing that, instead of living in despair, you might start realizing that things could be different, that life could be different. If God cares about me, I can begin to start caring about myself. If God cares about my friends and other people, my neighbors, then I could start caring about them too. And you might start acting in a way that reflects the love that God already has for you. Lily Ye moved to North Philadelphia in around 1986 to a rougher part of town. It's part of town that was hurting, 
A lot of rundown buildings, fair amount of crime, a challenging place to be. And she found this one particular lot in town, kind of just scraggly and broken cement and dirt and, and just kind of left alone. And she got permission from the city and began with a handful of dirt and some seeds to plant a garden. And she began to tend that garden. She began to clean up around the, the lot there. And people began to notice. Children began to come and say, well, what are you growing here? And I haven't seen this kind of thing growing in my neighborhood before. And she began to invite children and parents to help her grow the garden and tend the garden. And she began to beautify that little piece of a lot. Pretty soon the whole city block started to look a little different. And others started to clean up and say, how could this be a little bit different than it is right now? And soon that one city block extended to an area of 10 city blocks. Because that magnetic power of that initial little garden began to grow and spread. And soon, buildings that formerly were an eyesore were covered with art, reflecting the diversity of those who lived there. And they began to call these little, this ten-block area, the village. The village. The village of arts and humanities. And it became a place of celebration where they would have music and dancing and painting and green things growing. And they said that 10-block area, about 20 years later, began to serve an area much, much wider in the city as people came there to be refreshed and to find life. It's almost like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone went and took and planted in the ground. And though it was such a small beginning, such a tiny seed, it grew into, grew into such a shrub and such a tree that it provided shade for all who were near and nest for the birds. Or it's almost like the kingdom of heaven is like Yeast that a woman took and mixed in three measures of flour. And soon it mixed all through the dough and created the most beautiful, lovely loaf that fed not just her, but her family and her neighbors. Cornel West says, if the kingdom of God has taken root in us, then we should leave a little bit of heaven wherever we go. And so if those initial two parables that we looked at, not quite in the order Jesus told them, but the one about the treasure in the field or the pearl of great value, or those are about reminding us of the joy and the delight that we are to find in God and the reality of God's kingdom here and now, around us and within us. I think these earlier two, the mustard seed and the yeast, are an invitation to us. Right? To help us imagine if the beauty of that kingdom took root in us, how might it grow beyond us? How might it grow beyond us? And so we might ask, how are we giving shade to others? Not throwing shade, because we don't want to do that. How are we giving shade to those around us? 
right? As we think about our lives. If someone's around me, is it a gift to them? How am I creating nest, right? What does nest mean? Home. Shelter. We talked about home, I think, at Pup Theology this week, right? And what is home? Home is a place where you can be yourself without apology. Where you can be welcomed, you can put up your feet. Right? You can imagine this, what this is like for you. Maybe it's your childhood home, or maybe it's certain friends you're with, or a place that you love to go where you are simply welcomed, you can let down your guard, you can put your feet up, and you're home. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is rising in you. You become the kind of person that when people are around you, they feel like they're at home. And so things like this are signals that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and has taken root in us. And sometimes just a little story can help us see the world, our lives, God's invitation to us in a whole new way. Stories help us. They are teachers. They are medicine. They keep us connected to what matters. They keep us awake. And this has always been true, and it is still true today. Amen and namaste. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.